Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday morning service for today, August the 30th, 2020. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, maybe you're watching this live or you're watching a recording. My name is Joe Friedland, and I'm the pastor of City Point Church here in Brossard. And of course, we are meeting online uh, for the time being. And thank you so much for joining in with us if you are new. Uh, we're going to start by a couple of songs that uh, are going to be led by uh, two people in our church, Pam and Terrence, and I thank them for preparing and uh, doing all the work for this, but I'm just going to open up the service in prayer. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know uh, what your week has been like or what your, your faith may be, or maybe you feel like, I just have no faith. I'm just tuning into this broadcast. I'm not even sure why. And uh, but, I, but I'm here, and so I just want to pray this morning and pray that God's going to meet you right where you are. Father, I thank you for each one who's watching, each one who will watch, each one who's listening, who will listen. Lord, uh, we have all different kinds of, of uh, stories and all different backgrounds, uh, but I pray, Father, that you would speak to each one today that through all the noise of this world and all of the things that are going on, God, we would hear your voice clearly today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, enjoy the worship this morning.
So the words of that song, uh, Oh, Come to the Altar, they may sound a little strange, but they're talking about something very, very powerful, very profound. Uh, this idea that there is a um, place where the people went for forgiveness of sin. And they went to this altar in the Old Testament times. And back in those times, they would actually bring animals to the altar. And they would actually slaughter those animals uh, for the forgiveness of sin. It was very, very serious business. And there was a whole priesthood that would look after this. And so what the Bible teaches is that Jesus, by coming and by dying on the cross, we can obtain pardon and forgiveness of sins, that the justice that we deserved was poured out on Jesus and rather uh, him than us. This is a, he's a substitute for us. And through this, we can have forgiveness of sins. And through this, we can come to God and we can come to God with confidence and with boldness and with assurance that he will cleanse us and that he will put us in the right place with him. And we can have a relationship with him. So with God, it's not just, well, I love you. It's I love you and I forgive you. And he does that on the basis of what Jesus has done. So I don't know where you're at today again, and I'm not sure what your week has been like, And uh, but, but I want to pray for you before we go further today. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that we have through Jesus. And uh, Lord, I pray that above all things today, uh, we, would, we would finish this, this service, this broadcast with an understanding of how no matter what we have done, no matter where we come from, we can be right with you and we can walk in harmony with you and we can call you our father. We can call you our friend. Uh, we don't have to fear your wrath, but we can walk in faith and in confidence because of what you have done through Jesus. So I pray we would obtain that, learn that, grasp that today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning again, everyone, and uh, and welcome today. Thank you so much for tuning in with us on the 30th of August, 2020, the last Sunday of the month of August, and here it comes. Here comes the fall. Here comes September. Uh, those of you who have kids, they're probably either back in school already or on their way next week. So uh, maybe that's you have mixed emotions if you're in that in that uh, sort of camp. But wherever you're at, welcome today. And I would invite you right off the bat to remember to press that little share button. If you're watching on Facebook or if you're familiar with how to start a watch party, go ahead and do that and share. Uh, you know, as I've, as I've said repeatedly over the last five months, there's all kinds of content on the Internet and uh, uh, most of it's free. And there's some good stuff and some not so good and some really not so good. And so what we're trying to do here is teach the Bible and to reach the one who is far from God so that together we would become passionate followers of Jesus. And you who are part of this church, you can help us do that by just pressing that little share button, okay? And I want to welcome those of you who might be brand new to this broadcast. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, Facebook ads that are floating around out there that have gotten some response. So maybe you're watching today 
because of one of those ads. If that is you, can you do me a huge, huge favor? I would love the opportunity to follow up your visit with us today. If you can text the key phrase, reach the one, all one word, to 514-900-0130. You're going to see it up on your screen there. And if you will do that and reply with your email address, all the system needs is your phone number, uh, email address, and your name. And you'll be in our mass texting, mass email system, and I'll be able to communicate with you right away and send you announcements and all those things. So you're straight to your inbox or your phone. And I've got a little gift for you that I'm going to send you by email if you will reach out to me that way, okay? And you can uh, visit us online at citypointchurch.ca. We've got all of our messages there. Uh, all Almost four years of audio is there through Podbean. And you can also uh, subscribe to Podbean or Apple Podcasts. Look for City Point Church Quebec, and you will find us there. I've got about 300 messages there. And uh, we've got video content that uh, since the pandemic, we're putting all of our stuff up there on video at citypointchurch.ca. So visit us and stay in touch that way. Uh, continue to pray for our missionaries, Michelle and Louise Charbonneau, who are active there. They're on your screen there, who are active in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And uh, while I was looking at video footage of what uh, some of the, the flooding that has happened there uh, due to the hurricane season, and my goodness, I mean, they're used to all kinds of calamity there. And uh, so it's almost commonplace. But wow, there's just that—that th- that is a very, very volatile nation. So uh, pray for our missionaries who are there and Don and Marie Jose Mann who are preparing uh, to travel and teach leadership. Um, They're currently writing content for that and they'll be uh, engaging in that whole Quest Leadership Program that we talked about last week uh, when travel bans lift. And uh, so we want to continue to pray for them and to support them. Want to say thank you to some volunteers. You're going to see them on the screen there. Just keep that feed where I can see Uh, what the people see on the screen, okay? Um, I want to say thank you to the volunteers who helped us move from number 14 to number 10. Uh, You know who you are, but thank you so much for helping us do that over at Cineplex on Wednesday. It only took us about uh, three, four hours, and uh, we were able to even fireproof the underside of the stage with a special uh, paint, and we were able to move everything, and we turned the system on, and there was sound, and there was video after five months. So it was so exciting to just do that. So thank you to the volunteers who were involved, and really appreciate your... That, that, that's ministry when you do things like that, okay? want to let you know as well about the Alpha Film Series Uh, that will be starting on the 9th of September. Um, You can join the Alpha course very, very easily if you will use that same phone number, 514-900-0130, and text ALPHAQC to that number. You will, just by doing that, you'll be able to join the Alpha course. Alpha is a practical introduction to the Christian faith. This is great for you who are interacting with people who are maybe not of any religious uh, persuasion whatsoever. Maybe they're a hardened atheist or maybe they used to go to church and they kind of walked away from the church. This is a great tool for you to engage that person in an understanding of what Christianity is. This is going to be video-based. We're using the Zoom 
uh, platform. It's going to be online. Uh, it will be at least 11 weeks starting Wednesday night, September the 9th from 7 to 8, just one hour. And uh, it's really interesting to do this kind of thing on Zoom. Maybe some of us have Zoom fatigue. Uh, but with a Zoom platform, people can come as they are. They can ask any question that they want. That's the that's the beauty of Alpha. Uh, and w- nobody is going to be condemned. You know, your, your atheist friend is going to have a safe place to ask their questions, maybe get some answers about Christianity and faith and God and life. And, but the, 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 the other th- great thing about Alpha is that people start to build friendships and start to build relationships. And sometimes those relationships last uh, for the rest of their lives. I, there's a, a senior man in our church who came to Christ uh, through the Alpha course. And uh, just amazing to see the, the growth and the maturity uh, that happened in his life. And this is a story of thousands and thousands of people around the world who have experienced this. The content is brand new. It's very, very well produced. And uh, I guarantee you, uh, if you can invite a friend, they will enjoy it very much. And it's open to all of you who are, who are part of City Point and you have connections and friends and people who you want to introduce to Christianity, this is your opportunity to do that. You don't have to teach them anything. You don't have to be a Bible expert. You don't have to know theology. You just got to invite them and get them to come. And sometimes it's, hey, I'll come with you. I'll be on that Zoom call with you, and I'll be your friend through that call, you know. And and so people are looking for a safe place to ask their questions, especially now in this year of 2020. So I challenge you, if you're part of our church, Use that invitation. Uh, uh, again, it's uh, 514-900-0130. And the text uh, key phrase Alpha QC. You're also going to see an ad on Facebook. And if you want any more uh, ways to invite people, reach out to me and I will try and give you some tools to be a part of that. Okay, so I'm really looking forward uh, to Alpha in September. Today at 4 p.m., given that the weather is looking so good outside, uh, we are going to meet over at Parc de la Cité uh, in St. Hubert at 4. And uh, we're not going to spend, you know, a huge amount of time there. The first time we met there in July, people stayed for four hours. They were so excited to just be outside <laughs> and be with one another. Okay, You don't have to stay for four hours. Uh, bring some snacks, bring a lawn chair. It's just nice to be outside and be in one another's presence and you know in the park you're more than two meters away there's picnic tables there so you don't necessarily have to wear a mask and you'll be okay and it's just nice to get together so if you want to join us uh, we'll be right off of the Davis Street parking lot there. There are some picnic tables. There's uh, stuff for your kids if you have small children. And a little cool outside, a little windy, but nice sunshine. And this is probably going to be one of the last weekends where we get sun. So why don't you come on out and join us at 4 p.m.? It'll be a great time. And also something coming this weekend uh, starting September 4th, and it goes through the 5th and the 6th. There will be a live uh uh, theatrical presentation of the story of Esther from the Bible's Old Testament. Now, this is from the folks at Sight and Sound Theaters in the United States. They have a, a theater in the state of Pennsylvania. My family's been there probably half a dozen times, and one in Missouri as well. And what they are doing here, uh, they've never done before. They're actually going to live broadcast this uh, on the Internet, and you can watch it live. 
I would love to take all of you over to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, the Amish country, uh, for a few days and take you to that theater. It is magnificent. 2,000 seats, state-of-the-art uh, you pay fifty, sixty dollars U.S. just to watch a show there, and all they do is Bible productions. And uh, I've promoted their Jesus production. It was at Easter time. You could watch it for free on TBN. And then last weekend they had Jonah for free on TBN. This you have to pay for. I think it's around forty, forty-five dollars Canadian. But you and your family will love it. And uh, the way that they do these stories is so engaging. And uh, so uh, uh, powerfully done. Uh, so I, I would really encourage you to check it out over at site-sound.tv. You can put that slide back on the screen for the people if you would. Site-sound.tv. And you've got it the 4th, the 5th, and the 6th. There's like three or four presentations. They're all live. You can watch Mulan if you want on Disney Plus, uh, but you'll probably find Queen Esther to be even better. All right, so that's my challenge to you, uh, and uh, over this coming weekend, thank you for your faithfulness in uh, in giving. Uh, it is amazing to see how uh, we have made it through. You know, five plus months of strictly online. And uh, people have been faithful. We continue to support our missionaries. We continue to reach out uh, through the, this online platform and continue to keep our church moving forward. And that is because of your generosity. Everything that we do has uh, an attachment to finances, just like everything in life. So when you are faithful in that, you you inspire me and keep me and keep this church going. So thank you so much uh, for doing that. Now today we are starting a new series called Dear Churches. Dear Churches. I don't know if you've ever received a letter that started with dear. And uh, I'm sure you probably have. Dear sir, dear ma'am. Uh, maybe it was a really personal letter and it started with dear. Well, we've got that uh, in the Bible. And it's often, uh, it's a piece of literature in the Bible that's often misunderstood. Uh, but it really is, at least in part, a very personal address to several churches. And it's found from uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, in the Bible's New Testament, the last book of the Bible. And we're going to go through uh, a little series where we're going to look at the things that God says to the churches. And I want you to think of it this way. If, if Jesus himself was, was going to speak directly to churches today in the year 2020, this crazy year, of 2020 what would he say to the churches what would he say to our church what would he say to you and me as individuals is that a scary prospect for you uh, if jesus were to show up on this on the other end of this camera or right where i'm seated and he were to take over and he would have a word uh, for the churches what would it be what would he say and when we look even 2,000 years ago into the book of Revelation and see what Jesus had to say to these seven churches in Asia Minor, it is amazing how it relates to today. So that's what we're going to do, and it's going to be several parts. And so today is part one, uh, I am, I know. 
Now, before we jump into it and start to look at these individual churches and the things that, that God says to them and really what he's speaking to us through the ages, you have to understand what you are dealing with when you read this book of Revelation in the Bible's New Testament. This is a book that is incredibly misunderstood today, incredibly um, taken out of context today because of what it is. And if you've ever read it, you probably wonder, I mean, what is this? Is the author on some kind of powerful narcotic? What kind of book is this? And how is it supposed to relate to my life today? And on the other hand, there are people who who look at the news and look at the headlines and, and they jump into the book of Revelation and say, ah, see, uh, that's that's that passage in Revelation, you know, 13. And, oh, it's the pandemic. Oh, it's the vaccine. Oh, it's the Antichrist. Oh, it's the mark of the beast. Oh, it's the rapture. Oh, it's the second coming. You see, it's Israel and it's Russia and it's China and it's uh, it's the, the United States and it's the presidential election and it's the, 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 the full lunar, the lunar eclipse, the solar eclipse and, and it's thermonuclear warfare and it's world war and it's um the fires in australia and it's it's the 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 things going on in the united states and systemic racism protests and it it's it's uh, nations rising against nation and they do that kind of thing with it and that's not always a bad thing but it's it can be a dangerous thing the way that you read this book is critical to the way that you're going to understand what Jesus has to say to churches today and what he has to say to you and me as people who claim to follow him. And so what Revelation is, is a fusion. I'll use that word and we'll have it on the screen there. Thank you. It is a fusion of really three kinds of books, three kinds of literature. Because when we look into the Bible, the Bible has 66 different books in it, and uh, there's various kinds of literature that are in the Bible. God chose literature as the means to communicate with people. Either you read it or you hear it, but this is the way that he chose because it's, it's pretty practical, right? And uh, so you have to understand that when you read the Bible, you're reading a book, and that book, God uses people to write, and there's several different kinds of literature. You do not read the book of Revelation the the way you read the Gospel of Matthew. You do not read the book of Revelation the way you read the Psalms or the Proverbs or uh, Paul's uh, letters to different churches. You don't really read the book of Revelation the same way because it is a fusion of three different kinds of literature. And we'll put that back on the screen. Um, You know, uh, we we talk about hybrid today. A hybrid is, uh, is, you know, like a hybrid car. You've got electric and and gas uh, together. Well, Revelation is more than that. It's not a hybrid. It's a fusion. And what you have are three kinds of literature. You have an apocalypse, and you see this in verse 1, the 
revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. That word that we translate revelation is the word apocalypse, or sounds very much like that in the Greek language. It didn't mean the end of the world. Uh, We have kind of put that meaning onto the word apocalypse today. But what apocalypse meant was to kind of unveil something, was to show what was behind the scenes, what was behind the curtain, to to, uh, remove that curtain and unveil something and reveal something. That's why we use the term revelation. There's a revealing that takes place, okay, Uh, uh, in this, this, um, this type of literature. Uh, now, apocalyptic literature had several different facets to it. I'll explain that in a, in a few moments. But Revelation is is an apocalypse for sure. But it's also prophecy. So, verse uh, 3. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. What's being said there is that there is a predictive element, a predictive prophetic element to this book. Now, you may not believe that, but I'm just telling you that's what it's claiming, okay? And thirdly, this is also an epistle. An epistle was a letter that was sent off to a group of people um, uh, in a church. So, uh, verse 4, John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. So it's a fusion of these kinds, these three different kinds of literature, but it is extremely unique. There's no other book like it, not in the Bible and not in the ancient world. Now stay with me for a second here because this is, this is critical for you to understand. Uh, as far as apocalyptic literature, and again, we've kind of made that term mean uh, literature about the end of the world. Uh, It it meant more of an unveiling, the actual Greek word, but apocalyptic literature is not unique to the book of Revelation. I mean, we have dozens of apocalypses from that time in history. One of them made its way into the book of, uh, uh, into the Bible, the book of Revelation, but it is unique from all of the other ones essentially in one way okay let me give you the characteristics of what an apocalypse was uh this is done from uh, a scholar by the name of gordon fee great great uh happens to be a pentecostal scholar wrote a great book called how to read the bible for all it's worth you should pick that book up i'm holding it in front of me how to read the bible for all it's worth and this is these are the characteristics of an apocalypse they always had the taproot of the Old Testament prophets, uh, Ezekiel and Daniel and Zechariah and Isaiah. And they would kind of, they would use portions from those books as their inspiration. And you can see that in the book of Revelation. You can see direct quotes from these uh, these prophets. And they were written uh, with the occasion of their readers were being persecuted. And so they would, they would, be very concerned about the end of the world, the end of time, because of the persecution that their readers were facing. And God, in in apocalyptic literature, he would bring a violent end to history. 
and bring judgment and bring redemption. And uh, this was the thrust of apocalyptic literature back in the time when Revelation was written. And Revelation, you can check the box there, that certainly is similar to other kinds of apocalyptic literature. Um, they were they were intended to be read from the beginning. So unlike the prophets, and prophets would preach, and then things would be written down that they said, uh, but prophecy was an oral form of communication, then it would be written down. It, apocalypses weren't like that. In an apocalypse, it was intended to be read. It had a literary form. Uh, these were, these were um, uh, pieces of literature specifically, and you can check the box there uh, as far as the book of Revelation. Uh, number three, apocalyptic literature always had these kinds of visions and uh, dreams and uh, the language was cryptic um, and symbolic intentionally and they would use these kinds of literary tools and devices to give it a sense of of um, of kind of age uh, but they would also write with a pseudonym so they it, it, the actual writer wouldn't be named, but they would write under a pseudonym, and usually that pseudonym was some great figure in uh, in a Bible history, like Enoch or uh, somebody like that, or Moses. And they were told always in apocalyptic literature to seal it up for a later time, for a later day. Now, this is the one area where the book of Revelation is different from all forms of apocalyptic literature of its time. Because in the book of Revelation, the author actually identifies himself. And he's no majestic Old Testament character. He's, he's John, and he's on an island uh, called Patmos. I'll show you a, a map in a moment. Uh, but he's he's imprisoned. He's facing persecution. He's identifying with persecuted believers who he's who he's going to write to. But he identifies himself, and that is very unique. And what is also said in the book of Revelation is to not seal it up for a later time, as if to say the time is now, or at least beginning now. So there's an urgency on the part of the writer to address these seven churches. And uh, for them, this is not something for a later time. For them, this is something for now. That is the one difference in the book of Revelation compared to the dozens of apocalyptic uh, pieces that we have from the ancient world. I've stood in front of some of them in museums and exhibits and that, uh, but Revelation is completely unique in that way. Um, often or always in apocalyptic literature, you have fantasy. You have images of fantasy. So you have things like dragons and, and beasts with multiple heads and um, uh, a woman clothed with the sun and locusts with scorpions' tails. And these kinds of fantasy images are always used in apocalyptic literature. And uh, it's different from reading, you know, the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus will teach using images, but they're images out of the real world. 
in in an apocalypse, people would write with with fantastic language and use images of fantasy uh, to communicate uh, their point. Apocalypses were very stylized, so you're going to see these numbers and sequences of numbers, and they're all divided up into all these kinds of sections. Uh, so all those check boxes, Revelation checks except one. John identifies himself, and also uh, the, the time is now. It's not for a later time. Now, as far as these people who he's writing to, I'll put a couple of things on the screen quickly. Uh, first map you see there, uh, we've used something like this before in our previous series, but you see the city of Rome up in the northwest corner there, and you see in the yellow there are uh, seven churches that are identified and it's really interesting we'll go to the next slide that zooms in those seven churches are real places that were real then and they're real today you can visit them today the churches that were there are gone but the cities are still there or the remnants of them and if you look at them they're like on a almost like a paper route uh, maybe some of you are old enough to remember when you used to deliver papers as a young kid. I used to do that, and you'd have your paper route, and you would deliver your newspapers early in the morning. Of course, now if there's young people watching, they're like, we don't know what a newspaper is. We get everything on the Internet and on our phones. And, of course, for us who are a little older, uh, back when we were kids, that would be like, like science fiction. I mean, that would be unbelievable that that could happen. But back in the day, there used to be these paper routes. And this is a, actually like a paper route, what you read in the book of Revelation, because you've got John on the island of Patmos there, and you can see that tiny little island, and it says Patmos on your screen. And then you can actually go around in a circle as you're reading each about each church. You have the church in Ephesus. That's in chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. You have the church in Smyrna. As you go up a little bit, that's chapter 2, verses 8 to 11, and you go in a little circle like a, like a paper route. And so that's who uh, John is addressing um, in the opening chapters of uh, this book. Now, today, I want to uh, explain the two main themes, uh, or two of the main themes that Jesus has for these churches, and these are themes that Jesus has for us today. 2,000 years later, they are still relevant for our lives. I am, and I know. You keep it real, real simple that way. I am, and I know. It's really important that, or at least to John, that we understand who is writing, who is communicating to these churches, and he makes it very clear through uh, scores of declarative statements who is talking and who is communicating and who this message is from. And it is specifically from Jesus speaking, communicating to John 
and wanting this message to get out to these churches. So you start in chapter 1, for example, and we'll put all these I am statements on the screen. They don't all start with I am, but they're all kind of self-declarations as to who is writing. So chapter 1, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. And you see, as you read through the book of Revelation, that Alpha and Omega is also identified as Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He is the Almighty. Uh, Verse 13, um, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. It's typical in apocalyptic literature that the writer would be visited by some kind of heavenly being with a message. And you see this here. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. This is the favorite title that Jesus used to refer to himself. You see it especially in the book of Daniel, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a blazing fire. And John falls at his feet as though dead, and he places his hand, his right hand on John and says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is a powerful image of Jesus glorified, in a sense, a terrifying image, and John experiences this. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 1, "...him who holds the seven stars." And we're, we're actually explained, uh, in, it's interpreted for us, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, this, this, uh, Jesus is holding things in his hand. And uh, the mystery of the seven stars that you see in my right hand, according to Jesus, and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars and the, are the angels um, and the sev- of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is one of the rare points in Revelation where things are actually <laughs> interpreted for us so we can figure out the symbol. But this this sense of authority and that Jesus has authority over these churches and he's going to communicate to them uh, very specifically as a result. Chapter 2, verse 8 the first and the last who died and who came to life. Chapter 2 and verse 12, who has the sharp double-edged sword. Chapter 2, verse 18, his eyes are like a blazing fire. Chapter 3, verse 1, he holds the sevenfold spirit of God. Chapter 3, verse 7, he holds the keys of David. Chapter 3, verse 14, he is the ruler of God's creation. What's going on here? We know who's talking. This is God in the person of the Lord Jesus very clearly and very specifically in a very powerful and awesome way. 
I am. He exists. He's speaking. He has conquered death. He is the I am, and he has a message. And on the one hand, it can cause us fear, but on the other hand, it can cause us comfort. Did you know, uh, you on the other side of this camera or, or listening, did you know that the great I am is right there with you? Did you know that whatever circumstance you are in, the I am is there and he always was and he always will be and he's not shocked by your circumstance. He's not taken by surprise by your circumstance. He knows exactly what he is doing. He is all powerful and he is in your corner. And he is not subject to the limitations that you see. He is not subject to the barriers that you experience. He, he can operate in it. He lives beyond it. He is the I am. He is God and he is with you. And he's right there. He's everywhere all the time. He's right there. And that Again, that can give us fear and that can give us comfort. You see the reaction of John. He is quite afraid by what he sees. He, he falls down as, and like kind of passes out as though, he's, uh, um, as though he's dead, the language is used. And yet that voice speaks to him clearly and says, Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place Later, I have a message that I want to communicate, so make no mistake about it. This is Jesus glorified, wanting to communicate to his people. And these messages will transcend time. They are not specifically or, or exclusively, I should say, for these seven churches in the ancient world. They transcend time and reach uh, even to us. And uh, I know there are some and they say, well, it's not really Jesus who's speaking, it's an angel. Uh, that's not true. If you read the whole book of Revelation, you see very, very clearly, especially at the end there, there's a, there's a distinction made uh, between the angel of God, the angel of the Lord, and Jesus himself who is communicating this message. And uh, this, is the, this is where it gets really personal. The first phrase that's repeated several times uh, to these churches or most of these churches is the phrase, I know, I know. So chapter two and uh, verse two, for example, to the church in Ephesus, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance Chapter 2 and verse 19 to the church um, in Thyatira. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are doing now more now than you did at first. Chapter 3, verse 1 to the church in Sardis. I know your deeds. And this is with a rebuke. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Chapter 3, verse 8, to the church in Philadelphia. That's not, that's not Philadelphia, United States. Okay, that's Philadelphia, ancient Asia Minor. 
chapter 3, verse 8, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. Chapter 3, verse 15 to the church in Laodicea, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. That's in the context of a rebuke. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 9, I know your afflictions to the church in Smyrna and your poverty, yet you are rich. Chapter 2, verse 13, uh, to the church in Pergamum, I know where you live. I know. I know. And it's a very uh, simple word and a very simple message. But Jesus knows. It is always amazing to me that uh, especially uh, I'm seeing amongst amongst those of us who call ourselves uh, followers of Jesus. It is amazing to me how quickly we forget that Jesus knows. He knows everything about us. Uh, this is this characteristic of omniscience we use in theology that God knows everything. He knows all about you. He's in your house right now. He's in your car when you go to work. He's in your conversations. He's there in the dark. He's there in the light. He sees everything. He knows everything about you. And it is amazing to me how quickly we lose sight of that and how quickly we can forget that. And this is a foundational message that Jesus has for these churches. I know, I know you, I know what's going on. There has been a lot in the news, um, especially North American news, of course, about this scandal in Liberty University in the United States. That's the largest, I think the largest Bible college in the United States. Uh, thousands and thousands of students, and there's a big scandal there with Jerry Falwell Jr. and so on, and uh, there, there's so much talk about it. Um, and uh, it, it, this, is, this is the word that Jesus has for us, I know. And when we forget that Jesus knows, it is so easy for us to fall into moral collapse. And I speak from a great deal of experience having navigated through uh, several people's lives and several situations of moral collapse in church settings. And it's amazing how quickly we are able to compartmentalize our own moral failures. And I use that term ours uh, because we all do. And how quickly we can put them into little boxes as if Jesus doesn't know as if Jesus doesn't see, but he knows, you see, he knows, he knows about all of those little things that we think, well, you know, this one, this one, God somehow doesn't know, God somehow doesn't see. No, he knows and he sees. Uh, think of it this way. If, if uh, everything in your head in the day uh, could somehow be projected on a, on a screen, let's say the screen that you're watching right now, 
I mean, imagine if we had the technology that you could put these, you know, two little things on your head and it, it would just go straight to your, you know, straight to your social media and everything you're thinking could go straight to your social media for people to see, for the whole world to see. Uh, how would you feel about that? <laughs> would that make you feel comfortable or would that make you feel afraid? Well, in many ways, this is the power of Jesus. He sees into everything. He sees into our very thoughts. I mean, he sees everything and he knows. Now, my friend, that 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 can make you afraid for sure, but it can also give you comfort. He knows your situation. He knows your temptation. He knows the pressure that you're under. He knows the weaknesses that you have. He knows the strengths that you have. He knows how difficult it is for you to face uh, Monday morning in that meeting that you're going to have with whoever it is or that that doctor's appointment that you you are not wanting to go to that uh, because y- you're worried that something's wrong. He knows those things. He's right there in your corner. He knows. But he also knows your whole life he knows your morals he knows your ethics he knows what you do when no one's looking he knows all of those things and so for for john writing here and communicating this message from jesus to these churches it's meant to help them have a sense of awe and a sense of reverence for god but also to give them comfort I know where you live. I know your deeds. I know your perseverance. Sometimes he will rebuke them. Sometimes he will commend them. But it is in the context that Jesus knows. So I don't know what you're facing today or what your week has been like, uh, what your month has been like, how things are going for you. But the simple word today is that I am and I know. And uh, that's Jesus reaching into your heart and into your your life. So what we're going to do uh, for the next few moments together uh, before we close is we're going to have communion together. And this may be your first experience uh, of doing this online. And uh, it's a little bit different to try and do it online. And maybe you have a have experiences uh, in the past with communion and what communion is. Uh, But in this church, communion is simply um, an acknowledgement, a remembrance, but also a proclamation. And what we do when we take these emblems is that we acknowledge Jesus. We acknowledge that he came. We acknowledge that he died. We acknowledge that he rose again. And we acknowledge that he is coming. So we're going to do that together online. All you need is a little bit of bread, just a little piece of bread and some juice or even water if you like. And so what I want you to do is just take a few minutes or a couple of minutes, it doesn't take you long, to go and prepare that and bring it it, uh, back and uh, we're going to look at a passage of scripture together, have prayer together and celebrate communion. Okay, so take two minutes and uh, we'll pick it up again.
Some of you, you're probably wondering, I have kids. Can kids participate in communion as well? Absolutely, they can. Again, this is a, this is a, a moment of remembrance, a moment of proclamation. We're talking about the very, very simple story of Jesus and Him coming and Him dying on the cross for us and being raised from the dead. Uh, so I want to read for you a couple of passages of Scripture uh, from another book in the New Testament, and this is from 1 Corinthians. And this is often read uh, at communion. We have to understand, we would have no church. There would be no such thing uh, as the church in terms of the gathering of people who follow Jesus if Jesus didn't come and if Jesus didn't die and if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and if there wasn't the promise of his return, there would be no community gathered there would be no one acknowledging this. There would be no one trying to live this type of lifestyle uh, with these things in mind. And so the church is the people who believe these things. It is the congregation, the gathering of people who believe these things. And so Paul writes to the Corinthians uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is an epistle. And this is a long one, a long letter that he has for them. And he talks about communion. And in the context, he's trying to challenge them because the way that they were doing it and participating in communion was actually defeating the whole purpose. Uh, but in that context, um, he says this to the people. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So when we take this bread, we're remembering the Lord Jesus, his death on the cross, but we're also remembering and reminding ourselves that we, the church, are the body of of Christ and the way that we treat one another matters as well. Would you partake of the bread with me? And Paul continues uh, to write to the Corinthians and he says this, in the same way after supper he took the cup and this is just simple simple juice that I have in my hand. He took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and whenever you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when we take this together, what we're doing is we're saying Jesus died Jesus is coming and Jesus gave us that new covenant. We no longer need to go to God with animals. We no, need, no longer need to go with sacrifices. Jesus did it once and for all and we thank him for what he has done for all eternity. Would you partake with me? Father, we thank you and we praise you. Uh, it is so good to 
just to experience you. And I pray, Lord, for each one who's who's watching today live and people who will who will watch later and who will listen. And I pray, God, uh, wow, above all things, you would be real in people's hearts and people's lives. Lord, uh, we need you today like like never before, it seems. And there's so much going on. We want to reach for a real God and see you alive and active in our daily lives, Lord. I pray for families and for young people headed back to school. And there's so much apprehension and anxiety and all these things. Lord, reach into homes and into people's lives and bring comfort for you are and you know we pray in jesus name amen amen well god bless you today thank you so much for tuning in with us and uh, if you're there at Parc de la cité we'll be at the davis entrance at uh, four o'clock just in the little area where there's a kids kind of water park and climbing area and some picnic tables be great to connect with one another until we meet again god bless you everyone